Hey Kyle, I thought it would be a good time to set up a little voice memo. I just listened to one of your Baldwin podcast conversations. Just want to compliment on your great work. I find myself actually here sitting under some eucalyptus trees just about to set up a slack line overlooking the Lago Titicaca Lake in Bolivia. Really appreciate your work again and yeah, much love to all the community. I'm half English, half German. My name is Kevin and yeah, one big hug to everyone. Thank you for sending that in, Kevin. I have yet to travel to Bolivia, but I would love to visit one day. Hey, I wanted to get all of your opinion on something. So I get to travel quite a bit. I'm very lucky. And I was thinking about doing something to make this podcast a bit more cohesive, specifically while I'm on these trips. And the idea is to do a series where I interview three or four people from that community. Maybe it's a politician, an activist, an athlete, and I focus the conversations on that area. So then when you want to travel to Puerto Escondido, Mexico, or Aracera, Portugal, or Cape Town, South Africa, you listen to these podcasts, and the result, hopefully, is that you are a little bit more informed about the place, and you become a better traveler. I was thinking about calling it Check with Kyle. Anyway, uh, let me know if you have any thoughts about that idea, if you have your own ideas on ways I can make that better, and we'll see if we can make that happen. This episode of the podcast is with Jordy Smith. We recorded it on a surf trip together in Africa recently. Jordy is a super cool dude who has a wide range of interests and is also a uh, pretty mind-blowing to surf with he's number six in the world look him up if you don't know who he is but uh yeah really enjoyed this conversation we went all over the place um and with that uh before we get going i want to say thank you to santa cruz medicinals for sponsoring each and every one of these podcasts santa cruz medicinals makes cbd pain cream cbd olive oil cbd coconut oil cbd nootropics i use those most days and you can get 10% off by going to scmedicinals.com and typing in the code name KYLE10. So if you suffer from inflammation, if you need something to help you sleep a little bit better, head over to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name KYLE10, and pick yourself up some potent CBD products. And with that, you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, uh, to check out my newsletter. I do a weekly n- newsletter where I send out just a short story that I write, and hopefully you get a smirk out of it, as well as articles that I read and documentaries I've been watching, just stuff that interests me. I send it out every single week. So you can do that on kyle.surf. That's where you can check out my blog, other podcasts, and my best travel equipment. Anywho, that's it for now. I hope that you are all having a wonderful day out there in your lives Wherever you are, invisible people, I'm talking into a microphone in my room alone right now. But I know you're out there. I know you're out there. So send me some voice memos because uh, I'd love to know more about who you are. You can record on your phone, email to info at kyle.surf. And with that, please welcome to the show my man, Jordy motherfucking Smith. 
Kyle Chairman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. pretty cool it's interesting too like when you uh start writing more consistently because you see a day differently okay. like you have these little moments like we went surfing today and there's like a moment that punctuates the day that you think is really interesting so you right. make note of that in your mind right yeah like some of the kids going down like getting pushed into waves or like that one kid riding the wooden block like that was a cool moment from the day totally. that you would probably pick out and uh it, I think that it, it's it kind of is like what life becomes then because all your life really is is like a, this accumulation of memories and yeah. blur. Yeah. And most of it's blur. But if you can have these little highlights, highlights, yeah. and if you can you know you know, punctuate your day, some people do that with journaling, and I think that it uh, it can be really helpful for that way that you just remember more of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like music's like that in some ways too. Um, where you would hear a song and in, instantly it would be, it's like a bookmark in your life, hmm. you know, from you could hear a song somewhere. You're like, I lost my virginity to this yeah, song. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I get a boner every time. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, and that that's, uh, yeah, I just thought that was pretty do you ever Do you ever listen to, you have like a psych up song that you'll listen to if you want to click into competitive mode or something something like that? I know that a lot of athletes will do that. Nothing in particular, but they do, they change. Hmm. So just depending on the mood and the moment, I if I've got a heat coming up and the waves are looking real choppy and kind of, you know, just junk waves, I will kind of get something a little bit more upbeat to kind of get try and get into the rhythm that the ocean's serving me, hmm. as opposed to if you're at J-Bay, you could, you could listen to something really long and drawn out, you know? That's interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, so you'll listen to like... Like just more classic, like classical music, like slow classical <laughs> at J Bay. The, te the, te like. the tempo definitely kind of <laughs> describes um, what 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 I want to surf like huh. of the of the song. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's a guy named uh, Josh Waitskin who I'm a big fan of, who was a young chess prodigy growing up, and um, he, there was a movie made about him called Searching for Bobby Fischer. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but uh, it's all about this kid coming up as a young chess champion. And then he switched into uh, jiu-jitsu and became one of the top jiu-jitsu guys in the world. But he had this moment in his book where he'd talk about um, being at a chess tournament and having a, a song get stuck in his head, like a really annoying song. And he said he couldn't focus because obviously when you're playing chess, you need to be fully engaged. You're trying to think 10 moves ahead. And if you have a song stuck in your head, it's really distracting. He said that the way that he flipped that distraction was to start moving the pieces to the beat of the song. And he would then play to the tempo of that song, even in big in chess tournaments. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, I gotta check that out. Yeah, but it's like it's a good way of like flipping a negative into a positive, positive right? right? Right. And I feel like that's that's like one of the great uh, ways to ach achieve a happy life, right? Yeah. Because I, I feel like most of the time we 
go through a day and we're surprised when bad shit happens to us. Yeah. But bad shit happens to everyone all the time for our entire lives. So it's really interesting that we still get surprised when bad shit happens to us. Yeah. Like why? Every, why, every time. Like why would we think that this would stop? Like ah, duh, not Can't again. That <laughs> like literally, no. This happens to all six billion of us most days. Like yeah. when shit goes right, yeah. that's when it's really special, right? But, totally. But we're still we're still surprised, you know. Yeah. But the people who can flip that all of a sudden have this superpower. Yeah, I think it's just being open to. Maybe expectation. I think expectations that people have um, are too high. Yeah. Um, and of course, people want to strive for greatness and all these types of things and success and add happiness. And um, but I, I mean, happiness is just a it's a mood. You're either happy or you're bummed. Right. So yeah, it's very uh, transient. Like trying yeah. to say like, oh, I want to be happy is like like if you tried to be angry for as long as possible. Like you probably couldn't be angry straight for more than like 20 minutes. No. Like before you'd be like, oh, like have like, I oh, fuck, I'm hungry. You know, like, and then all of a sudden a hungry yeah. thought comes in, yeah. right? So like happiness is this transitory emotion, but like, but you see people who have just more of a peacefulness and ease to yeah. them. And that seems to be more consistent. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, it's, it's a crazy one because a lot of the world struggle with that, I guess. Yeah. How much would you say, you know, being on tour, traveling all over, like you have learned to have that kind of ease throughout it? That seems like it would be a big component in the work that you do. Yeah, I definitely, I think just having a good understanding of the people that have come before me um, have helped me out a lot. So just kind of, even just speaking to ex-pro surfers, for instance, um, Chris Gallagher, he's my coach slash he shapes a couple of my boards um and friend and he's been on the tour he's been in the same shoes he's he's done the whole thing you know and just kind of talking to him uh, he's also from santa cruz yeah, I know, I know chris. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, he basically just kind of broke it down he's like hey look you, you need to be able to enjoy this whole thing or else i can tell you from firsthand experience that it all just blends into basically one big hotel room one event one one win you know um and if you don't really kind of take the time to slow down and actually enjoy it, uh, it you, you, your life's going to go pretty quickly here and you're not going to have nothing to remember about it. Um, and so that kind of just made a lot of sense to me, I think. Do you uh, remember when he, when he told you that? Yeah, he probably told me, I reckon, about last year, early last year, I, I would say. Um, I mean, I've always been an easy kind of guy to brush things off. I'm, I, I never really hold on to much. Um, I don't think that's in my personality yeah. to really hold on to things and like let it get me, you know. That's cool though when you can have someone say something that's even just a couple of sentences yeah. that then gets lodged somewhere really deep inside of you, you yeah. know, inside your mind. You're like, wow, oh, this relates to so much that I am seeing. Totally. You know? And, totally. And the, yeah, it's it, like one thing that's interesting about what you just said is that like I, when you say, oh, I'm an easygoing guy, um, don't let much get to me. By saying that, you become that. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you are who you say you are. Or if you yeah. say, I'm, I'm a really, I'm a, I've always been an anxious person. I've always just been like angry. Like you will live that out because you're professing it to totally. your social circle and yep. 
it's almost like you you believe it you believe it yeah, yeah. and and then you move through the world with that mindset and it's the same with, with really angry people who don't feel like anything's working out for them and then all of a sudden it manifests because people are like fuck I don't want to be around that guy he's a dick totally yeah I <laughs> know he's an made to be around yeah um, oh, it looks come like on in the food oh. might have arrived thank you very much Nice. Yeah, feel free to. Oh, thanks. To eat. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's just it's kind of crazy. I think, and then just traveling. Um, you know, results come and go, but it's regrets regrets that you really have to live with. Hmm. Um, in my sport or my job or whatever you want to call it. Um, so for me, it's kind of just focus on the things that you can kind of control, have a bit of fun with, and. And don't take life too seriously. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a professional surf. I get to go surfing and, and do what I love, you know? Yeah, so that's, it's a good perspective to have. Yeah. We were talking the other night um, when you were, uh, when you told me your sneaker story, yeah. which I want to hear again because that was a fucking great story, but about how much um, you think ahead to the business of surfing, like li life after professional surfing. And we were talking about... Um, professional surfers that never had that kind of perspective right. and expected that they were going to get paid a lot of money for their entire lives and they lived that way and it takes a certain level of forethought to be able to see 10 years down the road yeah. and like like you're talking about like having the wisdom of ex-pro surfers imparted onto you yeah and then understanding what moves you can make right now that will then set you up to have a better life you know uh, absolutely afterwards. I think um, I mean there's two things I think definitely there's one being told it but the second one is definitely to be able to be have your ears open and actually listen that's that's a big a big thing for me is like just to really listen I feel like sometimes if I talk too much then I'm already spitting out information that I that I already know mm -hmm. but if I just sit back and I listen I, I have the, I may have the opportunity to to learn something that I don't know yeah and so a lot of the time I try and kind of do that um especially about really knowledgeable people yeah um that that have a lot of insight into things that i don't know anything about yeah and uh yeah just kind of li live and learn i guess i, I want to hear your sneaker story okay the oh. sneakers um so basically i've been in, involved in in sneakers for all my life since I, I would honestly say since i was about five years old and one of my best friends warwick right uh from durban he's an ex pro surfer did the qs for many years he was super involved in it and he's a few years older than us and we just basically wanted to rock everything that he had and he kind of had the swag he had he's you know he just was he was rocking it and um obviously in the neighborhood that i grew up in it was really cool to be looking fresh and you know you got to have the cleanest sneakers on the block and all this kind of thing and uh then kind of later in my years you know after making a little bit of money um, I just started kind of buying the sneakers that I would like. And then um, when I went over to the U.S. just recently about when the whole Yeezy thing kicked off, all right, it didn't come into our country just yet. So I ended up buying a, a bunch of Yeezys from, and for people that don't know what a Yeezy is, it's Kanye West's signature shoe uh, that he did with A first with Louis Vuitton, then second with uh, Nike and third with Adidas. Um, and so I'd be buying these shoes and I'd be bringing them home, but I'd be packing them in my board bags, um, 
with no surfboards, just with the boxes. Because when people buy the shoes, they have to have the boxes because that's how you get the resale. And you know they're legit and they're not fake and the numbers match up on the inside of the tongue. Anyway, um, I would be buying like first couple pairs would be like six pairs. I'd be bringing them back. Boom, within 10 minutes, I'd be selling them. Then I'd be like going, shit, I can, I can pay for my air ticket, buy sneakers. This is why you're on the QS. Um, when you initially this, started yes, this? this is the early days in the QS. Yeah. And then, because um, the, the easy, easy, he had the easy ones, the easy twos. And by the twos is when it really went public. It was like, if, you, if the kids at your school, if they knew you had those shoes, then they were like, shit, I need to get them. Only thing is they were like 30,000 rand, which is crazy. Like now today, to trying to buy a pair, they're like 80 to 90,000 rand. What is that in US? Five six five thousand dollars. Wow, for a pair of sneakers, yeah. Holy shit! So you're buying them for two hundred fifty bucks, and you were selling for five grand, and and that's and that's how it was happening. And because it, they can't get them in South Africa. Well, across the world is yeah. still happening like that. Like in America, it's still happening like that. Wow. And uh, anyway, so I knew that they weren't available in Africa. So I'd think if I could bring them, I knew I could sell them for more because I know there's some heavy hitters here that are going to want these shoes. And anyway, so I'd be bringing them back selling them and then by like the third fourth run i started packing board bags for my wife for me for everybody and they're just bringing like 20 30 <laughs> yeah. 40 pairs yeah. Yeah. your wife carrying a huge and six you know, board board pack yeah she sneakers would she would be carrying them through customs with me hoping that we wouldn't get checked so you don't pay import duties right and then uh did you ever get checked we did one time but what we would do is i would just pack the boxes some of the boxes in her board bag and i take take some of the shoes in mine and i just spread them out between each board bag so they're right. like oh, i'm just taking some bo- some boxes old boxes what are you going to do with these boxes i say oh, i'm just going to take them home from memorabilia and uh yeah we ended up getting through about four or five times and then um and how would you sell them was it like on a corner style like like no. drug dealer style like throw some sneakers up on a telephone <laughs> pole like oh shit jordy's selling the sneakers no, <laughs> he's got no. the easy ones so my friend a close friend he had a he has a store he had one of the like an exclusive sneaker store that you would go to if you wanted sneakers. And um, I put them in a score and I cut them a 10% piece of the pie uh, once we sold them. Uh, because, you know, he was he was the guy for Shelf. It was called Shelf Life. That's, his, that's still to this day his name of a store. And he just sold out to, you know, make a lot of money. But, um, yeah, well, I just put them there, cut them a piece of the pie, and, uh, and everybody would be stoked, you know. And it kind of legitimized the store at the same time, too. You know, because right. because because Kanye that, West sneakers exactly. in there, motherfucker. Exactly, exactly. And so um, it was. It's cool, you know. I just and I basically did that not not for the money. I just I kind of just wanted to be able to pay for the pair that I wanted to wear. Right. And and that way I could get my pair for free. Well, it's also a great example of learning in the world, yeah. right? Like you yeah. could take a class in business, but how many business lessons did you learn just from that experience? How many lessons did you learn about human psychology, how people want something that they can't have? You Absolutely. Know, cutting someone in so that they feel you know, like they're being fairly compensated, but you can still make a profit on top of it. Like These are all lessons that people pay thousands of dollars to go to school to learn. Oh, yeah. And um, life experiences, man. I think yeah. that's just thing. I mean, like the vintage thing is just super hot right now. And, you know, I'm trying to get my sister involved in the in the buying and reselling of the vintage stuff. You know, you can go to a, a, a warehouse and just buy bales and bales of clothing mm. and then put your tag on it and resell it for way more than three times the price. You right. Know? Um, 
I was uh, watching that documentary, Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, yeah. Which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, yeah. Great doc. I watched that before I uh, the, f- the first trip I went, took to South Africa. Um, if, if people haven't seen it, they should totally check it out. But um, one of the points in that doc that I took back was that during apartheid, there was an embargo on South Africa. So they couldn't get Nike shoes. They couldn't get a lot of these products that were sold around the world. So if you had something there... That was that was worth a lot more money. I wonder if there's still some of that residue in South Africa, like that mentality of like, oh my gosh, I have something that no one else can get, even past like years past the embargo. I think just human nature is something right. kind of veered towards. I want I want to be different. I want to look different. I want to, you know, um, I want something that no one else yeah, has. Yeah, that nobody else has exactly, and. Um, whatever, slap a price on it, whatever someone's willing to pay. Um, you know, I mean, at the same time, like going back to the sneakers thing, I was definitely taking a risk um, buying 10 pairs of shoes that... All I'm of a sudden, you, you got your, inventory. Yeah. <laughs> you got to deal with and that inventory. Like, it, at the time, I was a little nervous on like, shit, I wonder what sizes these guys are going to be that are going to buy. And then by, at least by the third time, they were like, shit, are you going to America? Okay, well, I'd be over there almost pre-ordering... I'd be there going like, who wants come back on Saturday and you're going to have it there. And I'd be like, boom, Friday night, I'd be flying out. I'll be there, you know, Sunday or something. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Um, and that was while you were on the QS going to these contests, you would get the sneakers, bring them back to the South Africa. Yep. It's fucking epic, man. Yeah. Straight back. I mean, I did it from then and then I started, I kept doing, I did the last run probably three years ago was the, my last time when I did. Mm. And um, after that, I was like, "Yeah, it's taking a lot of energy here. You gotta, you know, yeah, you gotta. It's a bottomless bucket because sneakers they just keep coming out with new ones, and it's just it's never right. it's never ending. Right, right, right. Would you say that you've taken any of those um, business learnings into other aspects of your life moving forward? Um, definitely. Yeah, I believe everything you you do. Um, you're going to take a little piece of yeah, that knowledge. You just, yeah, whether it's good, bad, or anything, I think you just take it and, and use it for the next time. Right. Kind of just... That's the yeah. value of, of a lemonade stand. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not about the moneymaker. It's about learning those transactions and understanding 100%. 100%. It. I, I mean, I w- I'd be interested to hear your perspective as well just on growing up in South Africa. Like, you see the hustle around you a mm. lot more than you would if you grew up in Venice Beach. Right. Right? Like, and um, I feel like there, it's very common in places in California for people to feel like they're too good for a job. Like, they don't want to have that job because they, like, no, I'm a pro surfer. Like, I wouldn't go work at Starbucks. Like, well, sorry, dude, you're not a pro surfer anymore. Yeah, you got to yeah. make ends meet. Totally. In one way or another. But, like, I've found that um, people from South Africa, they're very industrious. They're very... Um, just worldly and like I was yeah. saying that at the table earlier like there's just an understanding of what's happening that I really enjoy being around yeah no I think that South Africans are really well known for hard workers um, just kind of go-getters really um, I think a lot of people are in this day and age are really scared of failure mm. and then how that appeals to their audience like they're they're their egos get in their way of of what they might look like to other people, um, 
what their friends around them might, you know, judge them, right? right. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't live by any of those things. Um, but it's magnified with social media too. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like you, everyone wants to feel like they're on this incline trajectory and that all their followers are cheering them on in this parade, but that's not how fucking life works. No. Like life has peaks and valleys. Yeah. Right? But Deep don't tell points. me about your valleys on Instagram. Those people annoy me even more worse. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the people who are like, my girlfriend just broke up with me. My heart has turned black. Yeah. What will I do without you, Veronica? <laughs> You're like, jeez, dude, I feel like I just walked in on you. Yeah. You? It's, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't really but, understand it. <clears throat> too much but like back to the thought of like yeah what you said about fear of failure um and fear of changing courses right because like if your friends know you for something everyone talks about you as the guy that does this your instagram followers see you as that it can be very difficult to change directions where you know really you're like i want to dance but no one knows that 100 percent. i think people try and in a way put you in a box, right? A, a so-called box. That's Jordy Smith. He's a surfer. No, I'm not. I'm a human being and I like to surf and I do it for income over here, but I also like doing this, 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 blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And uh, I think just putting labels on people is like the, is just the worst thing for me. Cause right. I, I, uh, I love to surf and that's what I, I love doing, but it's not who I am. Right. And, uh, probably so, gets annoying. Yeah. It just kind of, yeah, it just gets annoying at, at times, you know, because I feel like I, I do have some business savvy, um, in some aspects. I got other things that are really interested in. I'm not just a surfer. Hmm. Um, like what? Um, uh, well, like what's, uh, what's something that you're super into that most people don't know about? As of right now, we are in the midst of starting a CBD company with no THC uh, with a couple of buddies of mine. We went South Africa, went through a water crisis, well, mainly Cape Town. Uh, we started a water company called Water Water From Air, and uh, basically it just turned the uh, humidity in the air into fresh drinking water uh, for hospitals and schools and, and, and things like that. Then... Um, I'm involved in a, a music company, which is headphones called Music. Um, one of the first 20, 24 people to start that company up. And, uh, yeah, it's just all these different little aspects. I've got my fingers in a lot of different pies. Like the Magic Johnson of surfing. <laughs> we got a three nightclubs with Reg, our buddy here on the trip um, in, in Cape Town. Um, so, yeah, just trying to get a lot of property. Just trying to play the property game a little bit. Wow. Wow. Um, what got you into CBD? Was did someone approach you who was a friend who was starting the company? Uh, yes. Yeah. And um, I I've never done a drug in my life. Never even smoked weed or anything like that. And so for me, um, I didn't know about as some of the uh, the the positive effects it can have on you. And um, we just wanted something to be able to put out in the marketplace that was for for like athlete based and uh, children based. So a lot of those products uh, that are in the market they definitely have some form of thc in them might be a minute amount but they um there's very little that are out there with zero Hmm. and um even as far as traveling you know i wouldn't want to put somebody on a plane with something that could possibly go off or so uh, you know i don't know um 
and yeah, like just another venture. And and I'm just really not scared of failure. So I'm willing to go almost go down any any avenue, calculated, and um, try it out. Try it out. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. before you know, the party's going to be over, and you'll just look <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah. All the shit. Yeah. There were studies done on people who are in their end of life, and uh, asked them about regrets, and and far and away, what people regretted most was not doing things. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that would eat me up even more. I just look at it as something as so simple as. If I'm in a heat and I'm winning and in the last 20 seconds, somebody else needs a score and a way is coming through, I've got priority. I would rather just go and just leave the ball in his court hmm. and the opportunity up to him, you know, he can mess it up. But giving him the wave would be the worst regret ever. You know what I mean? I'd rather just take my chance. And, right. and, and leave everything with him, leave him with the pressure, leave him with the way of needing, leave him with everything. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. No, um, that's, that's deeply philosophical. Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about that when I've watched a heat. Um, yeah. The pressure's on you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, Deal I, I with like, it. Yeah. You, you, you take all of it instead mm. of just him going on your way. There would be no pressure, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never, I, I don't surf competitively, so I don't really think about that with those kinds of punctuation points even within heats yeah, but yeah. i would imagine that you break that down like you can break down a heat like notes on a song like there's various moments where totally, there's yeah. draw so has that always been the case as a competitive surfer that you've that you've wanted to like take more waves and put the pressure on other people or how is that yeah i mean you'll be surprised what two sixes do to somebody you hmm. know they're not the great scores but all of a sudden just having People deal with pressure, um, and different people deal with it differently. Um, and it all depends on the context of the heat. Uh, but if you drop two sixes on somebody, like they're feeling pressure. I don't care if you're Kelly Slater. Hmm. Like you're going to feel it, you know? And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a difficult one because some guys are just really good at getting those two sixes or right. two sevens. And then you've got somebody that ha might have a wider range of maneuvers but if he fails to land one of those those great maneuvers like that you're done right you only get three chances in a heat hmm. uh, before it's you know it's done yeah can you think of a time when you buckled under pressure in a heat uh definitely i mean one that comes to mind um bali bali this year um I was in a heat with Jesse Mendez and I, and basically I'd surfed a wave mid-heat that I thought I'd surfed, I'd done one of my best rail turns I'd done all year. And then I finished the wave, I got a, um, I did like a cutback and then a good turn at the end and I got a four point something, 4.7 or something. He took off on a wave, he did two snaps and he kicked out and he got like a 5.6. And I only saw them from the back, so I was kind of a little bit puzzled. And then towards the end of the heat, um, I'd been doing like really good surfing uh, on my waves before and getting like 4.7, 5.2. And those are my, like, my scores, and I needed like a 5.8. So basically, you need a 6. You need a 6 co like confidently to be able to know that you're going through, you know? And um, so just by the wave that I'd surfed my 4.6 on, I was stuck in my mind of like 
shit, I don't know how I'm going to get this. If I just did the best turn I've done all year and I did a cutback and I finished it and I thought it was a 7.5, then fuck, I don't know what I got to do right now to be able to, to get that six. You know, I've got to go like fucking lights out, like best I've ever surfed. And so that was just, and I just kept letting these waves go underneath me. And I was like, no, nah, that's not the one. That's not the one. Anyway, it came down to like five, six, five, six seconds before the, the buzzer blew. And just straight off the bat, I was like, fuck, I got to just kind of hammer this thing. And being the way Karamas is, it's kind of a soft lip and bottom turn and just try to belt the lip and blew my fins out the back. And that was me. It was fucking over. And I just came in and I just really thought, I was like, fuck, well, what do I got to do to get like a six or seven, you know? And they were like, dude, if you just did like a couple raps, I was like, what are you fucking talking about? I did a couple, I was, I was doing the best surfing I've done. And I was getting fours. Is this you were talking to Chris about this? Yeah, I was talking to him via text. He wasn't there, but I was talking to a bunch of the, the other competitors, a bunch of, and everybody else was pretty blown away as well. And so for, for me, I just kind of left the beach scratching my head like, what the fuck? I, I don't even know what to do. Huh. You know, uh, I don't know if I'm doing something wrong or if they just saw it a different way. Huh. Um, and those, those, those are hard, you know, in those moments, it's really tough because you're, you're questioning the way you're surfing. You're questioning what are they looking for? You know, they tell you how to surf, where to surf, who to surf against, um, how long to surf for. And so there's all these things that um, kind of you get boxed in. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Would you say that it affected you to surfing against a lower ranked surfer? Um, or was it more just... Just at that point, I was just surfing against myself because mm. I was trying to compete with that four right. that I had got. And I just thought I'd, the four, I thought the four, I was like, fuck, I'm in the six, five, sevens here. Easy. Right. And then when they threw out the four, I thought, shit. I, I'm like, I just don't know what, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what they're looking for. Um, Do you feel like you surf differently against different competitors? Yeah. You, your strategy may change. Yeah. Hmm. Like I think when a lot of surfers take off, they definitely think, how can I just surf this wave the best I can, especially nowadays? Um, I think when I first got on tour, there were definitely a few heats where I'd be like, okay, I just got to go from A to B and I, I should be able to make it through. Um, but now it's, it's just so lit. <laughs> a lot yeah. of good surfers yeah the guys are just fired up and they might not be as talented but damn they'll fucking they'll outpick your wave 10 times over who are you they'll, thinking of i mean for instance like a david silver the guy is just i mean he's got a mean backhand but his wave selection is spot on hmm. nat young was like that you yeah know, deadly backhand but the guy would pick a fucking bomb every time he stood up he's like he didn't stand up unless it was an eight plus Hmm. You know, and um, some guys are really good at at at, at watching the ocean, um, things like that. Nice. Yeah. So you're heading back to uh, Cape Town after this. Yeah. And you have a spot there. Then you spend a number of months there before you head back on tour. Or I guess you have you have Tahiti. Yeah, up. Tahiti's next. That's us on the 21st. Um, but I will be going to get back to Cape Town. My wife's there, so I'll go hang with her for a couple of days, and. Um, I think that's important to be able to spend some good quality time with her. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I'll be off to Durban for five days to shoot some things for Stab and then literally pop into Cape Town for one day before we fly back to California. Thanks. 
Cape Town's beautiful, man. Yeah, it is. I've been there. That's one of the most special places I've ever been. Yeah, it is. Also learning, like, from an outsider coming into the culture of Cape Town uh, to South Africa, like, man, that shit threw, threw me for a loop. I went into uh, Kailiche. Oh, wow. Which is the, the largest yeah. township there. Yeah. Aren't there, like, a million people in Kailiche or something? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. a township that spans to the horizon. And uh, I did this little video on this woman named Mama Kata who um, feeds hundreds of kids um, in Kailiche. And it's this great kind of success story. This woman who come, came from nothing and then she started this soup kitchen and now just takes more and more kids. And she's, she is exactly the way that you would describe her. Like, or that you would think just like big, warm, loving <laughs> maternal energy. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, in Kailiche and, and then I went um, to a few different townships to check them out. Like there was a Rastafarian t- township. Um, there was one with, with people primarily you know, who were born and raised in Cape Town. There are people who are um, in townships that were more migrant workers. It's really interesting to notice, like, this is super ignorant of me to say, but like coming from Santa Cruz, California, I go, I'm like, oh, it's like a lot of black people. Like, no, it's not just like a lot of black (laughs) people. Like there are very different groups (laughs) of people who come from all over Africa and they're treated very differently. And it's just a, a whole nother culture that I had no idea about. Yeah, I um, I haven't spent too much time in there, but it definitely is. It's it's like the whole of Africa is funneled down right into Kalicha. Um, you know, there's a lot of illegal immigrants that are in there. Um, people that just are kind of scared for their life in their own uh, countries that come down. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a radical place. Absolutely. I'm surprised you went in there. Yeah. <laughs> we went in the daytime. Okay, we, yeah. When we had a guide who got us out of there by like 4 p.m. Oh, but cool. But yeah, man, it's I, I really love going and sitting at tables that I have no business being at. Right. And uh, I just, yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about. Like you tend to just re- regret things that you don't do. And I find that I gain so much perspective on my life whenever I go into a spot like that and talk to those kinds of people. And I mean, obviously you want to be safe, but um, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a real benefit to... I mean, I would guess that you've had a huge benefit just being around that kind of poverty and seeing it, like having that world be in your mind has helpful psychological effects. Yes, I think it definitely, I'll put it this way. So like when I grew up, I grew up um, with not a lot. Um, My family didn't have a lot of money, whatever. Um, And then I would say from kind of my, in the middle years of my life, I would say it sort of just became normal um, and you didn't actually think about it. And it wasn't until... What became normal? Just like kind of poverty and uh, being around the hustle and bustle and, 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 and just things like that and just how poor people lived. And it just didn't seem like it was that big of an issue. Hmm. Like and, just describe it for people who you know maybe haven't been to... Some of those neighborhoods that yeah, well, you were so going like, through. My neighborhood was there's a lot of gangsterism. There was a lot of uh, a lot of crime. Um, I was like the only white guy in my whole neighborhood, pretty much. Really. And so, for me, it just it, it was it was obviously normal because that's what I'd grown up with. And then, when I moved to the United States, 
not moved, but I'd started traveling. Okay, so I started traveling a little bit and I started seeing, okay, Australia, wow, this place is white. Yeah, <laughs> freaking white. And everything seems to work like amazingly. And right. then, and then. I went to the U.S. and then oh, like, like, what do you mean by work? Like, like all just the, the, all the power. Yeah. yeah, the street lights, the freaking the, the 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 roads were painted really well. Um, like there was bottomless Coca Cola at at Burger King. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? You know, we would be bringing our two liter bottles of empty Coke that we would buy a month ago and be filling them up at the at the Burger King. You know, be like, whoa, this is the next Coca Cola for a week. You know, because I didn't drink water till I was about. Probably fourteen years old. Yeah, Coca Cola is the primary. Well, like my parents called it juice. Like, oh, wake up in the morning, just have some juice. You know, you'll be good. Get out, go do your thing. Just have some juice, grab it, go, and 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 that's you know that's. <laughs> what it, and um, surprise, I still got teeth, but um, yeah. So then when I went to like when I when I qualified and I'd moved in with Garth Toller, he's uh, the marketing director for for O'Neill, and. Um, I moved in with him and then just kind of started to see the way the rest of the world was working. That's when I really was like, shit, we, we fucking are struggling back home. Like, you know, there is, there is a lot of help needed and there is all these things that are going on that it could be working like this, you know, and this is how it's supposed to be running. Um, but before it, it was just the mindset of like freaking uh, what, what you don't know what won't hurt you, you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people, you know, they don't necessarily know how good it can be. Um, so I don't even know if that crosses their minds. Yeah, how good it can be, but also how bad it can be, you know? Right, like right. I would bet you suicide rates in Malibu are higher than <laughs> totally, Kailiche. Totally, yeah, You know, 100%. You have, because there's a reliance on one another when you live in a space where you really need to rely on people, right. right? Whereas, you know, what's the first thing that people do when they gain a little bit of wealth? They seclude themselves from other people, right? Yeah. They build a big wall and a gate and they get further away from their neighbors yeah. and then get sad. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that happens. Yeah, It can happen, obviously. I'm, yeah. I'm painting a very broad stroke there. But, um, and how interesting also for you to then have gone to the United States, not just as a regular person, but as a, a celebrity coming up in the surfing world where people are treating you differently than they would if they didn't know your face. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up and it was the mindset of, if, like, if, if people was like, hey, let me, let me do, buy a, a whatever, a, a meal, you would be like, okay, well, what for? What, what's, what's the return I've got to do for you? You know, um, so everything very sheltered in some areas and then very skeptical on people. There's just no, there's no like, I'm not helping you for free here, bro. That's, that's not how it works. Right. You know, so then when you come in across that side, everyone would be licking your ass and you just keep going, fuck, what's going on here? Like, what do all these people want from yeah. me? Like, you know, um, everyone's so nice. It's just... It's yeah. weird. Well, they you know? do want something from yeah. you. Yeah. But, but it's more of like this amorphous abstract desire, totally. which is I want to be seen with Jordy Smith, right? Like it's not a it's not even a necessarily a monetary transaction that they're looking for. It's just um validation. 100%, yeah. Right? Yeah. But, you know, people 
I feel like you know, people who live in Kailiche probably don't need as much validation. No, they don't give a shit. Right. They don't care. They're looking for fresh water. It's like this. It's like the now. I mean, it would have been way worse now if you had to come up like in the John John era, you know, with Gabrielle and that, with the social medias and things like hmm. that. You know, people wanting back in the day, they just wanted to take a photo. Like, oh, there he is. Let me take a photo of him. Now it's like, let me fucking breathe on his neck while I get my selfie. Selfies ruin the world. You know what I mean? It's like, let me breathe down and show him what I had for breakfast and get my face right next to his face. And, you know, that's yeah. the worst thing ever. Huh? Have you found that different cultures take that differently? Like the desire to like take photos and be aggressive. Is that different around the world as you travel? Yeah. South Africa is the best place in the world for, for that for me personally. People are mellow. Um, yeah. No one really gives a shit who... Geordie Smith is like surfing is not really a, a big sport or anything like that in our country um, Brazil's pretty hectic I feel like they're really engaging and and they just seem to know a lot about the sport um, like forceful in a way too right you know yeah. like they're, they're very passionate people. yeah like <laughs> extremely passionate um, yeah. and I think the US is is um pretty mellow actually like they they're really respectful and they um probably just have the whole hollywood floating around everywhere so that you know your kelly slaters and stuff don't exactly become that big of a deal right because they were having coffee that morning and leonardo dicaprio exactly. was ordering the exactly. latte right behind them yeah that's so interesting man or even australia like australia's they also give you a lot of respect right but until three beers in and then they're like fuck mate you should have fucking taken the last wave you know? <laughs> you're like i know bali i buckled <laughs> yeah man i mean um gosh what a um it's an interesting it's interesting to deconstruct fame because what we were talking about earlier about how you're not one dimensional right like you're mm. you're a person who surfs yeah. but you also are interested in all this other kind of stuff but people come up to you they approach you for this one aspect of your life right exactly. like people are gonna be like dude you're the guy who started the cbd company yeah. like, can we get a photo with you yeah. right but like how i i feel like it's it um it is it like probably being an actor would be the worst kind of fame because people love you for someone who you aren't yeah, like they were like, "Oh my God, I loved you when you were playing this person who Absolutely. you're who you're nothing like." I totally identified with his character. Yeah, and you're like, "Well, yeah, that's he not was, me." <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, a, a violent sociopath. But I'm glad that you liked the character. Yeah, right. Like, hundred percent. I reckon they get it worse than anybody because, right. um, yeah, like Denzel Washington. I think he's an incredible actor. You know, um, he's played so many different roles. But um, I could almost guarantee that he wouldn't be, although he does look kind of that badass guy. Like yeah, from yeah there's, Gangster, there's a you know? kernel yeah. of truth there yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, like if you, if you like cut off Denzel on the freeway, you'd get... Oh like, yeah, he'd be bummed. He'd be I'd bummed. be bummed. <laughs> I'm sorry. I once saw him at a Laker game and um, he was sitting down, like way down on the floor. And uh, he didn't realize that the, the cam had panned on him. And he had like his black cap on and there was two other people behind him and he had this this wad of hundred dollar bills that he had in his hand and he was just handing them out like this side by side 
Whoa. Just going like this and handing it back, and then to the random whole, to random people. Um, or just to he friends? might have been taking bets or something. Right. I don't know. Okay, but, yeah, um, that would make more sense. The, the whole was crowd just a, is just kind of erupted, and then he kind of realized, like, yeah. "Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I'm American gangster, motherfucker." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm a method actor. <laughs> My man, <laughs> that's classic, man. Yeah, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, uh, there's a total non sequitur about. Um, the the various uh, uh, townships in South Africa, as well as the migrants, as you said, coming down from the rest of Africa. Yeah. So who are the main immigrants that come down from uh, the rest of Africa? Like, who do you see in in South Africa? In well, in Cape Town, I would say definitely DRC, which is the the Congo. Hmm. Um, in Durban. I think that would be one of the biggest ones in, in the Are these in, in a lot of Cape people Town. fleeing uh, conflict from, zones? Yeah, just from the Congo, from Zimbabwe, uh, that you see a lot in, in, in the sort of the Cape area. And then in Durban, I would say you see... Um, shit, what, Are there a lot of Indians yeah, in Durban? Durban? Yeah, I think Durban that. has... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think... I want to say they have the highest population of Indians outside of India. Wow. Uh, I'm almost certain. Like, there's a lot of Indians. Why is um, that? I think back in the day, um, I think they were originally brought over for the sugarcane fields, I want to say. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, but I think it's just grown, yeah. you know. Um, they make incredible curries. Yeah. So Durban's got the best curries in the world, I reckon. Yeah. Outside of India, probably. But How would you uh, define... Um, racism among groups of of black people in South Africa? Like if someone's coming down from Zimbabwe or from the Congo, is there a lot of conflict between black people from South Africa as well as those countries? I've heard that there is. So like speaking to one of the uh, a friends of mine that they say that uh, there definitely is conflict. Hmm. Um, some of the Zulus, some of the, the Corsa uh, speaking tribes in our country feel like they might be taking jobs from the South African Africans. Hmm. Um, yeah, so they definitely, I, I, I could see them being a little pissed off for sure. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah and then they'll live, they tend to live in different Yeah, they won't, uh, they townships. won't, yeah. Like I think in, in Zulu culture, well in African culture, Zulus are considered like the warriors. Right. And so they are pretty, not violent, but they... They'll they're aggressive. You know, yeah, they're aggressive. They'll let you know what's up. Huh. Like they they solve it with basically f- fighting or something like that. Yeah. Are Zulus primarily in South Africa or other countries all around Africa? Uh, mainly in South Africa, in okay. Durban, uh, in KwaZulu Natal. Yeah, KwaZulu Natal. Yeah. How interesting! I heard that Cape Town. There's a theory that Cape Town is the birthplace of humanity. Like, really? Have you heard of that? Like some no. of the oldest skeletons in the world have been found in Cape Town. There's a lot of mythology around that. Wow. Yeah. I can't go further than that. I wish I knew more. But I mean, it is the bottom it seemed, of Africa. It's, but, uh, a, yeah. it's a magical spot. Yeah. It's like, I, I imagine like the first, sure. the first monkey that, or, or, or the first uh, chimpanzee that then turned into a human was maybe like on top of like. The, the table mount, mountain, table mountain, <laughs> yeah, right. And then they just they went north from there. Yeah, yeah. That's round, man. Yeah, what what a special place to grow up. I, I really do uh, admire South Africa and the culture, and it's just such it's such an interesting 
rich history. I think that everyone has should check it out, man. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. such a, all of Africa, really, man. I mean, it's like I don't want to say it's the last frontier because there's a lot of last frontiers, but to it sounds cliche to say, but coming to Africa and seeing how people live and meeting them and you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, like generalization will be the end of us all. It's it's right. people who identify you for one thing that you do, or they you know they paint with a very broad stroke and say this is the type of person it you know here. Whereas you come to a place you know like Africa and you realize like wow, there are so many different cultures within this one city, let alone this country, let alone all of the countries in Africa. Yeah. I need to shut my mouth and start asking some questions. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's uh it's a wild place, man. And I think it's you get every penny you pay for when you arrive. Yeah. You know, uh, just as far as beauty as culture. Yeah. Uh it's rich in every shape and form. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I mean, that, that's the benefit of learning about history. Like, one thing I learned recently, do you know where pigeon comes from in Hawaii? Like, where the, the origination of no. how that... So, it was from um, the sugarcane fields. They had Portuguese working in the sugarcane fields. They had um, Japanese. They had Filipino. They had all these different um, cultures kind of mashed up all to work together. So, to understand each other, they developed the common pigeon so that they could work together more cohesively. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, you go to Hawaii. Makes Hawa total sense. Makes total yeah. sense. But, I mean, Hawaii is another place like that where you you could study that island chain for your entire life yeah. and not get to the bottom of it, man. Like, right. what an interesting story of the Polynesians coming over there and everything that's, that's happened since. And then, you, you know, you just, you feel it every day that you're there. Like, there is a history that you're connected to that... Again, I'm going to pick on Malibu. You don't feel in Malibu. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, li you're living in Hawaii now. Yeah, we are. Um, Part-time. So from the end of the tour, which basically ends in, well, not part, but Portugal, mm -hmm. um, around October, and then we go to Hawaii straight from there. And then kind of like we just thought about where can we spend most of our time without getting on a plane and from October till April is five months where you can like get some routine and an actual life going, you know, mm. like, yes, you have contests, but they're in your backyard. Right. Like, you know, Haliva, Sunset Pipe. Yeah. Um, Probably get a lot more comfortable surfing those waves. Too, absolutely. Like yeah. There. Yeah. That was another big reason why we, why I moved there. Yeah. And um, just to get better at backside tube riding, uh, I don't feel like you could do it anywhere else better than right there. Right. And the caliber of surfing too, man. I mean, you go out there and it's like, I feel like I suck every time I paddle out in Hawaii. <laughs> no, same. I'm like, I surf in Santa Cruz. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of shredding today. And I go out there, I'm like, damn it. There was an 11-year-old girl that yeah. surfs a lot better than me. Yeah. I wonder if like the, the way that John got so good is just by growing up around that. Like, as you said, growing up in South Africa, like that was your normal Right, and then you you travel around, and all of a sudden you, you're like, "Wow, this isn't normal living here." People live a completely different way, and like growing up around that caliber of surfing from age four. Yeah, I think it's for John definitely probably one of the aspects. Um, he had two other brothers that grew up right next to him. Right, did the same thing he did every single day. So um, I think it's just individual. There's a certain type of person that it takes. Yeah. Um, along with the talent, a lot. It's a it's a lottery ticket, you know, hmm. uh, to be able to make it happen. 
I think, at that level. Kind of, but it's also a lot of really good decisions, like these small decisions that you make every single day that allows you yeah. to get... To, like his like, personal like, decisions. Right, yeah. and your personal decisions. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just a lot... Like, sure, you, you maybe it was a lottery ticket that you are like are, have a good balance, you know? Yeah. And, like... Or even or just enough. being able to get to the beach. Totally. That's, a, that's the biggest lottery yeah. ticket, right? Yeah. But beyond that, then, you've made different decisions every single day of your life than your peers yeah. to get to where you're at. Yeah. Right? Like, you're not drinking now, yeah. right? Like, you you make these little decisions that are many times overlooked and not really celebrated, but end up getting you to a place that other people can't be right. 10 years down the road. Right, right. You know? It's like what we were talking about with business, right? Yeah. 100% right. I think... Um yeah, it's it's a uh, freak. It's weird because you make these decisions, and I don't really trip too hard on them. I just kind of make them, and then and then go along as I go. Huh. Like of, what? Whether it's kind of stop drinking alcohol, period, and cross the bridge when I get there. You know, I'll I'm gonna go, and I don't, I don't. There's no time limit on it. There's no. It's just I feel great. Why do I need a Why do I need a drink? You know, um, mm. personally for me. Uh, Never ever had a problem. Um, yeah. So, what what would you say are some other big decisions that you made either early on or, or more recently that have had a big impact on your success? Uh, well, one of them was, I mean, just to start it off was when celibacy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, like just even when I was at school, you know. So I was uh, a remedial kid. Uh, I would be having to spend, in order for me to surf, I knew I had to sleep at school five days a week, four nights a week. So from Monday to Thursday, I'd go home on the weekend and I'd get to surf on, on Friday afternoon, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday night, I'd be back at school. And so I never, and school was tough for me because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't like book smart, you know? Um, I could hustle on some, somebody on the street, but I wasn't. I could sell a motherfucker on yeah, sneakers yeah. every day of the week, but. but Getting hitting those books wasn't my strong point, and um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I just I just made the decision that I was like, shit, if I'm gonna be have to be able to surf f- for a living, um, I need to be able to put the time in at school to be able to get those days off when I need to go compete. And um, all my friends would be surfing all through the week. Some would be doing homeschool, and this was like a new homeschool era where homeschool was like, what? These guys are surfing all day. They can do school when they want. That's Fucking sounds like a dream world, you know? It's bullshit. Their yeah. dads are pushing them into waves. This is, I don't totally. like it. Anyway, so um, I think that was one of the early decisions where I was just like, fuck, I'm going to do this yeah. thing. And I'm going to do it hard, Yeah, you know? Um, I've watched many interviews um, that kind of just spark things. I kind of just live my life and then cross the bridges when I get there. Like, oh, this looks really interesting. I want to kind of give that a go, whether it's being vegan for a little bit, you know, six, eight months um, loving the way it feels and then traveling and going, fuck, this is actually a little harder than I thought. Um, I'm going to have to eat meats on some occasions. So I'm going to have to live a little more balanced lifestyle. Hmm. Um, yeah. Because the early days I was just eating hot dogs and running and drinking juice, Coca-Cola and running out for my heats. Yeah. You know, just... Didn't drink it. water till 15. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and my dad was the same. He was like, no, nah, just fuck, have another Coke and get back out there. You'll be good. And I'm like, fuck, all right, boom, nail it, Put eat a hot dog, eat a bag of chips, <laughs> yeah. and surf my heat. The good you old know? days. Everybody would be walking around being like, fucking hell is this kid? 
Yeah. You know, he's freaking, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's going to be fat. Yeah, 100%, which I gained. I, I, won, won, I think it was like 2009, I think I got close to like 96 kilos, 97 kilos. And just to put it in perspective, I was probably like 210, 215. And whereas like now I'm like 83 kilos, 85 kilos. So from like, that's a whole. And what is, what's 85 kilos, would you say? Probably 190, 185, yeah. maybe. I'm not too sure. It affects but, your surfing a lot. Oh, hugely. The joints, my joints are just yeah. loving me right now. <laughs> you, yeah. you changed the Coca-Cola for CBD. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. A lot of different changes. I think you make decisions every day. Yeah. My man. Dude, thank you so much. This is a blast. Yeah, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. That's our show. I'm going to play out with a song called Trauma by a band known as Diva Lotto. These guys listen to the podcast and they sent me music. So if you are a musician, you should do that too. Email it to info at kyle.surf. That's also where you can send voice memos. And I will link to the band in the show notes below. Once again, Diva Lotto. These guys are badass. Check out their music. And with that, thanks again to Santa Cruz Medicinals. If you want to go get some CBD, type in the code name Kyle10 to scmedicinals.com. And with that, get out in the water, everyone. I don't care what kind of water you are close to. You're close to something. Go jump in the shower. Jump in a cold bathtub. If you are lucky enough to be near the ocean, go jump in that because life is short. None of us know how long we have here on this planet. So get amongst it. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you soon. Took the time, I watched it blossom.